Hey, welcome to Bo Knows Health. This is episode 121, 121 with Dr. Marcy Catalo Madruga. Um, she is nearby me here in Colorado in Englewood, not too far. Uh, I'm looking forward. We recorded this a while back and I'm just getting this out now. And the episodes are out of order. This whole system's out of order. If you know the reference, uh, shoot it in the comments wherever you're, you're watching, listening to this. Um, the YouTube video is up on my channel if you want to watch it um, versus listening to it here. But uh, yeah, this is a really fun one. We talk about functional medicine, which is a very, very cool concept and has some controversy around it and some misconceptions and myths. So uh, I really enjoy breaking down some of this. And at the end of the day, like any other practice or term, uh, it comes down to can we have high quality practitioners in that space? So functional medicine is not a well-regulated term. There is no government body saying you can't say that within the space. Um, You know, there are places where it borders on practicing medicine. Uh, But yeah, we get into all this fun stuff. And if you're out there and you're interested in finding a functional medicine practitioner, uh, I have uh, a lot of other thoughts on that other than what we even get into in this episode. But Dr. Marcy is an excellent resource. I hope you uh, connect with her if you can. Again, I'm looking forward to checking her out in person, hopefully soon. Dr. Marcy, if you're listening, we still need to make that happen. And uh, other than that, guys, hope you're having a great day, month, year, life. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We, uh, we're getting back into the groove with my other podcast, Demand Better. So stay tuned for some of those episodes coming out. We're starting season two there. And I'm looking to, to get more of my episodes here, Bono's Health, more consistently. So with that said, enjoy the episode. There it is. We're live with Dr. Marcy. Catalo Madruga. Hey. Say that or CM, Dr. Marcy CM. It's like Louis CK. Is that is that what you're going for? Um my real name is just so complicated that I yeah. felt like it was a barrier to entry. And so <laughs> I figured I'd simplify it a bit. <laughs> well, I was just listening to a podcast with Louis CK, and that's why he made it CK. It was it's just uh it was like a Hungarian name, I think. And it sounded kind of like that, but it was like very difficult to pronounce we just like just ck makes it easier so cm there you go um so dr marcy uh will make it simple is also a physical therapist like myself doctor of physical therapy um and very interesting something i've been in the space for and you've been here in colorado how long i moved here in 2002 so i've been here a a while while. yeah uh you have been here long enough that your time here can drink 21 years there you go (laughs) Quick math on that. Um, but yes, I have just moved here to be two years for me, and I am blown away by the rights that we have here as physical therapists that we do not have in most other states, including being able to order blood work, uh, mm-hmm. order imaging, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more autonomy, and it's stuff that the physical therapy profession talks about, but is not very prevalent state to state. So having practiced in California and New York before this, two states where I couldn't even put needles in people, uh, I think that's criminal. But that's a whole nother story. Um, but that takes us to the functional medicine space that you practice in. Something, again, I've been fascinated in. You have a bunch of letters behind your name. Is the CFDN, is that the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition? 
that is the functional diagnostic nutrition. Um, and then I also have, I have another one that is actually functional dry needling as well. Um, and so there's that one and those two get like kind of, um, confused a bit, but, uh, and then I also recently got certified in, um, food as medicine. Um, so there's, there are letters that I should or <laughs> could put after my name, but again, mm. for simplicity's sake, I'm mm-hmm. not putting them there because it's just, too, it becomes too much. It becomes the entire business card, right? Yeah. 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 I stopped at some point. I was just like CSCS, CrossFit stuff, kettlebell, Olympic weightlifting, uh, again, dry needling, all these other things, rock tape, uh, you know, again, yeah, it's a lot of letters, alphabet soup. So, um, Again, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation, maybe for another time of like, what, what are people looking for? I don't think a lot of people are looking for functional dry needling necessarily, but it, they, they want to know that you can do dry needling, um, I assume, uh, again, here in Colorado. So super interesting stuff. The, F, the functional, uh, functional diagnostic nutrition, which I, I did go through their, their coursework. And again, it's not something I'm putting out there because I've not been practicing in that space uh, in terms of, uh, do they still work with biohealth in San Diego? Was that the lab? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, uh, I, I went through their whole thing. Um, what's the, the ball guy, Reed, Reed Davis. Is that yep. his name? Yep. He's a I very interesting. I webinar with Reed yesterday. <laughs> yeah. He's an interesting guy. Interesting guy. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's something I went through a long time ago. And again, I couldn't really practice it the way I wanted to. Um, until I got here to Colorado. So now it's something I'm getting my legs under me. And it's something I, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here talk about for selfishly, (laughs) how I can start helping people uh, through these other pathways outside of traditional orthopedic physical therapy, which is something you did for a while. Um, And then, uh, yeah, functional diagnostic nutrition. Also, interestingly, I, I, I recall, I took that course a long time ago, I want to say 2011 or something like that. And they're very clear to say, we don't diagnose anything, then why do you have it in your name? Why do you have it in your name? And they don't deal with nutrition either. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, they kind of allude to it, but yeah, they're like, uh, it's, it's a weird name for something that they do not do. And functional is just a kind of catchy term at this point. But <laughs> it, I mean, I think it is the, the current um, catch phrase, right? Because there's like functional movement systems and there's functional dry needling and there's um, functional pelvic floor and there's functional health. And so I think it is kind of a, um, a catch phrase at the moment. And I don't think that was the intention. Like when, if you listen to like Dr. Mark Hyman speak at all about functional medicine and the way that he believes it is really truly getting back to the basic function of health. Um, I don't think he intended it to ever be that catch phrase. I think he really intended it to be no, we want to go back to the basics, the bare minimum function that your body should be doing that it's not doing. And that's why you are doing what you're doing right now. And that's why you're in my office. Right. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of people are getting caught up on, well, do you do functional this or functional (laughs) that instead of um, how, how can you help, which is the ultimate goal. Right. And I think, um, probably similar to you in orthopedics. I don't, I mean, I graduated PT school in 2005. Um, I don't, I think you graduated somewhere around the same time, correct? 2008. I started in five. We're not that far apart in terms of like what we learned or where we learned it. But I think the part that is missing in the physical therapy education 
really is the conversations around, you know, what causes someone to end up with chronic regional pain syndrome after a knee replacement? Or, you know, how come some people recover from whiplash in three weeks and some people take seven years? Um, and the basics of that comes down to a lot of inflammatory processes happening in the body and potentially nutrition. I mean, a lot of times when we look at chronic pain patients, the nutrition that they're using is not a good strategy. Um, and then also their mindset. Um, and I think when we start talking about all of those things, yes, there's the whole movement of, um, healthy at every size, but, you know, can you truly be healthy at every size when your body wasn't meant to carry dead weight? And also we know that obesity drives some inflammatory markers. It also lowers HDL, which lowers, which when HDL is lowered, increases your risk of a heart attack, which increases inflammatory processes. We know that when you're carrying extra weight, it also produces more estrogen and causes your testosterone to become aromatized into estrogen. And so when we're talking about healing and we're reducing the amount of testosterone that's produced just by body weight alone, um, are we doing a disservice to our orthopedic clients by not addressing those things? I, I believe the answer is yes. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Um, even, uh, the APTA very specifically talks about, and that's for anyone listening, the American Physical Therapy Association, uh, the kind of governing body that helps direct our profession here in America, at least. Um, and they have it very clear on their website that, yeah, we should be talking about nutrition. And it was interesting to me. I did, a at the beginning of, of COVID lockdown, I joined a study group of journals that, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done that with physical, other physical therapists and, um, this was a youngish group from Portland. Mostly I was the only one not from the area. They were nice enough to invite me in. Uh, but yeah, one of our first articles was about nutrition and how that plays a role. And a lot of them were in more traditional spaces and said like, I don't have time to address this. Um, and, and again, I'm like, well, can't we improve, you know, outcomes by 25%, let's say by just getting people to eat less and, and, uh, you know, get rid of, uh, inflammatory foods, uh, to your point of, of inflammation, things like that, and, and eat better. Um, however, we have that conversation. Of course, it is a big conversation. Uh, a lot of them weren't even referring out to a registered dietitian, which I've done some podcasts about the term nutritionist, registered dietitian, even functional medicine. A lot of these terms are not very well regulated. Registered dietitian is the only one that has any real, uh, I guess, diet, like uh, criteria to be there. Um, my dog is in the back having a good time. Um, sorry about that. So, uh, and yeah, nutritionist is a term that my, my dog can be a nutritionist. You can just say, Hey, I'm a nutritionist, uh, clinical nutritionist is a little different, but for, for the consumer, not knowing the difference, uh, you know, you get these nutrition gurus on Instagram or whatever. Um, but then you come over to a term like functional medicine again, which is not regulated. You have certifications and there are programs that we would hope people are going through like Dr. Marcy and you did it through Nordic. Can you tell us a little bit about Nordic? I had not heard of that company before. Yeah. So uh, Nordic VMS, they are actually out of the Netherlands. Um, and there is a, um, there's a group specifically that trains physiotherapists is mm -hmm. what they call us in the Netherlands. Everywhere um, but the U S were physios. <laughs> yeah. um, so they do the training there and they really focus it on extending because in PT school, we do get some physiology, right? Um, there's that, that knowledge of physiology and what happens to Krebs cycle, all of those kinds of things. 
Um, but they go more in depth on the detail on that. And then um, they also get into more of the autoimmune disorders, which of course, as physical therapists, we see people with Crohn's disease, uh, uh, fibromyalgia with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, Sjogren's, those kinds of things. And we are trying to help those people, but it extends on that knowledge of what's happening just on the the physical side of what you're seeing and possibly even what you might be seeing in terms of the person's symptoms day to day. Um, and it pushes it into what's happening at the cellular level. And then how can you help the client reverse that? Um, and then they also, you can do some testing similar to FDN. You can do some, some testing, get ordered through Nordic. Um, and then they also offer a certification in genetics after you've gone through the functional medicine practitioner training. And so I've gone ahead and done that as well, because there are things like, um, for your patients that are, I only want to see a same sex PT who understands depression and anxiety, right? Because they may have been in a situation where that's popped up before, um, or they feel uncomfortable working with someone of the opposite sex or someone of the same sex because of an experience in their life. Um, the genetics are something that can help you figure that out too. So um, I was, I did a post about this yesterday, Compt genes. If you have somebody with a Compt mutation, um, they're more likely to have anxiety. They're also more likely to have inflammation because they don't have appropriate methyl donors. And so those are all things that we can look at in terms of helping the client. And I think Nordic does a very good job of like taking what we have as PTs and extending that knowledge as opposed to um, treating it as if you had gone through medical school and you already know the basics. Um, they really just try and meet you where you are and push you further in your knowledge. Um, and then the thing that I like probably most about Nordic's program is they like this week alone had three free webinars that you can do for continuing education um, that actually help you continue along your progress or also kind of remind you, oh yeah, I should be looking at that when I'm dealing with a patient who presents like X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, in your intake form here, you want to talk about gut health and sex dysfunction. So I'd love to hear how uh, you work with that as, again, a physical therapist who is certified as functional medicine. Um, again, I, stuff that I talk about a lot with a lot of my clients, um, traditionally more outside of the physical therapy space and kind of have to separate those two. But I'd love to hear how you combine those worlds. Yeah. So um, a lot of my clients come in, especially if you've had a, a client with back surgery, hip surgery. Um, and one of the questions is, when can I have sex again? And, you know, the standard answer is from the ortho is we're leaving that up to the PT, but not before this date. Right. And then we have to make that decision. But how do you know if somebody's actually healthy enough to do that um, and engage intimately with somebody else? And one of the one of the areas that we get into, especially because a lot of times if they're coming to you after surgery or they've been in pain for a while, they're on pain meds. And we know that pain meds start messing with the gut in a variety of ways. But one of the things it does is creates constipation. When we have crea uh, creation of constipation, there's a lack of detoxification. So what starts happening there is these toxins build up in the system and they actually start breaking down um, the little lining of the blood vessels. And your smallest blood vessels that you have are in all of your erectile tissues. So um, they occur in penile tissue, clitoral tissue, but then also even something as simple as regulating your body temperature 
all the little hairs on your arm have blood vessels that supply blood to the erectile muscles of those hairs. And so it becomes even hard to regulate body temperature appropriately for these people. And they don't understand why. And they go in and think, you know, maybe there's something wrong where I have peripheral neuropathy. Well, it's not that they have peripheral neuropathy. They have something that started in the gut because of a pain medication. And so how do we get the gut working again the way that it's supposed to? How do we do a detox program for them? And then we repair these things. And an added side benefit is that for guys, morning erection comes back. For women, they're able to achieve orgasm during sex. There you go. And one of the uh, idioms, I guess, uh, in, in health is you should be waking up hungry, horny, and happy. Yes. Um, so if any of those things are not happening, and I know that's a big one in the functional medicine space, especially in my experience in that space. Uh, so yeah, if that's not happening and you're out there listening uh, and you want to change that, got to reach out to someone like Dr. Marcy. Um, next concept. Well, and I, and I want to point out the fact that, again, even in the, the clinic space, physical therapy space, someone's coming to you for recovering from a hip surgery, um, talking about poop even is yeah. taboo. And it's like, what, why, what, what do you, what? I didn't come here for this. Um, and, and unless you really, you know, take the time to explain it and connect the dots, um, a lot of people are not even open to that conversation in, in my experience. So there's definitely an art to uh, bringing up those, those concepts. And unfortunately, again, people don't want to talk about that. Um, you know, I still always, when I work with folks on nutrition, I'm still like, hey, every time you have Indian food, like you're on the toilet for two days. <laughs> like it's not it's not a, you, you have a direct effect. Like we see the correlation so clearly. Right. We can't say it's causation, but uh, but that's that's a crazy thing. Uh, and we just our brains are not wired to, to connect those dots um, somehow. And then next time you're like, I'm craving Indian food and it's like not not worried about the, the effects of that. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of incredible that, uh, again, we, we can ignore a lot of these things. And, and again, this is what will keep us in business, I guess, forever. But, you know, I, I know we're, we're, if it was uh, our ideal, we'd be putting ourselves out of business by helping people avoid a lot of these issues. But at the same time, I think we're, we're happy to help people um, who are struggling with these things and connecting those dots. And again, I, I, I assume you also, similar to me, get a lot of folks who have already gone to 10 other clinicians and have not had the outcomes that they're looking for. You can you talk a little bit about that kind of, you know, how, how, often you get that of, of uh, and, and how much we would love to catch people, I think, earlier and upstream. Well, I think, as you know, too, in the I mean, in the orthopedic physical therapy space, there's been a huge jump of um, hospital owned clinics, physician owned clinics, particularly surgeon owned clinics. And um, the idea there is on productivity, right? So their PTs are scheduled somewhere between four and six clients an hour. And the PT, the PT doesn't always see the patient. And so something might be happening with the patient and the person that they end up seeing isn't trained to recognize what's happening because even in physical therapy, we get trained in differential diagnosis, right? So um, you might not catch it the first visit, the initial eval, if you have six patients in your office um, because you're, you're focused on someone's walking up to you asking you a question about how you should move the next person forward or, you know, that kind of thing. But if you have that time to dedicate to someone that's sitting in front of you for the very first time, there are all kinds of things that you might catch that then you could help them more, um, even in a traditional space. Um, 
And, you know, some of the simple things, right? Like we have patients who come in and I don't know if you treat vestibular dysfunction, but that's one of my certifications. Um, I treat vestibular dysfunction. Primary cause of dis dis vestibular dysfunction that I see is actually blood pressure medication. Mm. And blood pressure is not a diuretic deficiency, right? Um, it's a lifestyle issue. And so we can't out-medicate the lifestyle issue and the medication could be lending to this other problem. Um, and so we want to kind of keep all of those things in focus, but if you're not taking a complete history, you're never going to know that you're never going to see it because you, somebody else put that thing in their chart that said, this is their meds list and you never even looked at it. Um, so I think, and, and across the board, right. It's not just physical therapy, but across the board, one of the things that's happened in medicine is the visits have become less than six minutes. And so how do you take a thorough history in less than six minutes? How do you actually look at the body language of your patient when they're speaking to you to even know what's important and what's not important to them about what's happening? You know, like it's, it's one of those things that we kind of, I think we've stopped putting a personal um, front on medicine and started making it like where everyone's talking to you through a screen with the computers, right? I mean, yes, we're talking on a screen now, <laughs> but in medicine, that becomes a barrier to someone communicating because if you're not going to even look at them to hear them, how are they supposed to know that you care at all what's happening with them? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been reflecting on that for my entire career, I feel like <laughs> at least. Um, and, and as yeah, it definitely seems like it's just getting worse and worse. And the, the trap there is like, it does sort of work for some things and we can manage symptoms and we can kick the can down the road for a long time. And that's, I think the trap a lot of people get caught in is, Hey, I have this back pain. Like I needed to go away. I went to my chiropractor. He cracks my back. I feel good. I walk out of there. I might need to do that every few months. Um, and, and this was kind of your second point. We don't need increased meds and how, whatever we want to refer to as medications, including chiropractic adjustments or needles or whatever the thing is that's going to address the symptoms. But who's actually taking the time to address the underlying cause? Um, and so tell us a little about uh, how, again, other than is, is it just a lot of testing <laughs> that you're doing? Um, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with the systems that uh, you've thrown out, uh, especially including FDN going through that. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear um, how you address the cause. So I actually do less testing than most people. Um, and that's what I'll just, I'll jump in to say, that's one of the big knocks on functional medicine is yeah. it's like, oh, if I sign up for that, am I doing like $5,000 in testing? And I think right. the better clinicians are able to whittle that down and say, well, I think these three or five tests might be the most important. So we really have a much clearer picture. Yeah. And I even, um, I whittle it down even farther. Most of my clients end up with one, maybe two tests um, over the course of a year um, because pretty much everything else you can get your primary care physician to order. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most of the blood work that we need, the primary care physician can order it. Um, most of the, like even something as simple as like the organic acids test, Medicare even covers the organic acids test if their primary care physician orders it. Um, so yes, that gives us a ton of information about what their body's doing and how it's processing and what you're actually absorbing, but I don't need you to spend $400 on that test when your insurance will cover it. Um, and the other thing is I have 
developed these three questionnaires and they are quite lengthy. It takes two hours to do my intake paperwork. It also saves people $5,000 in testing. Um, because again, I don't, based on how they answer those things, I can address like, and see too, because some of it is based on a timeline, like, okay, when did the symptom start before age 20, between age 20 and age 40, or did it start, you know, above age 40? So I can break that down and say like, okay, well, obviously that's happening because this happened when you were 14. Like, so we need to go back and look at this and what was happening at age 14 to try and fix this problem. Um, and so I think those are the things that people forget is that if you listen to the patient, if you ask all the right questions, um, if you are a good person with your intake, your patient will tell you exactly what's wrong with them, exactly when it happened, and they'll tell you exactly what they need to do to fix it. Yeah, simple as that. <laughs> Uh, and I appreciate that perspective. Uh, and yeah, that's something that, again, it, it takes most people like we were talking about, you know, they might have to go see 10 other people and spend 10,000 other dollars um, to finally be like ready to commit. And yeah, you look at a two hour thing history. And, and I tell people this all the time at any stage of their injuries or health is you should be tracking and have like a history so that when you if anything ever does happen, it's worth your time to be able to say, Hey, when I was 25 years old, I had an ACL reconstruction. Uh, I had a seizure when I was 13 because I had a fever of 104 or whatever. And, and uh, you know, whatever those things are, those happen to be two things that, that were personal to me. Um, but uh, yeah, all that said, I want to make sure we touch on your last point that January is the worst time to set new goals. Tell us uh, why you thought that was vital to bring up today. So this is a time of year when a lot of people set like a new year's resolution, right? Um, because it's the new year and they think I need to do it now. But the truth is you are literally in the dead of winter. And when they say dead of winter, because it's the season where things are dead and hibernating, right? They are not changing. They are not growing. They are not making progress. This is their time to rest and recover. And your body has seasons just like the year has seasons. So if you lived um, like in Australia, sure, this would be a great time for you to do that. But because if you're in the United States or you're on, you know, Northern hemisphere, let's just say, um, it's the wrong time of year for you to be setting high desire goals and putting huge expectations on yourself, because this is literally the time when your body is trying to hibernate, rest, recover. So what I tell people, you know, if you're dead set on a January goal, you need to hire a coach because you won't make it otherwise. And the research proves that out. 86% of people set the same new year's resolution goal over and over and over again, and they never achieve it because they're setting that goal at the wrong time. So I think if you move that goal more towards the spring equinox, which is March, it's not that far down the road, right? You're setting that goal. You're saying in March, I am going to start working on this. I'm going to start walking every day. I'm going to start going to the gym twice a week. I'm going to start my nutrition plan. And then I'm going to be able to carry that through my entire year. You will be more successful than if you do it in January. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, when I work with nutrition clients at this point, I only um, allow people to sign up for one full year commitment and doesn't matter what time of year we start. Uh, I, I don't even try to 
catch everyone as they're doing their new year's resolutions. Um, but yeah, even though it's kind of low hanging fruit, but I think those are not the clients we necessarily want. And those are probably not the clients that, um, are looking for the, these higher level solutions as if, if we can call them that. Um, I want to finish off by asking about just functional medicine in general as a, as a concept, since you're obviously in it um, so deeply that, uh, again, I want, to, I want to get more involved in it. I want to be able to especially take advantage of what we can do here in Colorado. I might talk to you and follow up about Nordic and some of these other uh, certifications that are out there. Um, we don't have to you know, say which ones are bad or good right here on air. Um, but um, I, it's something I definitely mentioned. But I, I also am curious, again, I've worked with functional medicine folks. Um, when I was in Southern California before moving here to Colorado for two years, um, I tried to connect with a bunch of functional medicine doctors. I was very surprised. It was mostly, and again, no, not throwing the entire profession under the bus, but chiropractors who were selling mitochondrial supplements. Um, and, and it just definitely rubbed me the wrong way. I did not refer anyone to those folks because, uh, you know, uh, it just, it just rubbed me and, uh, very salesy, very, very, you know, talking kind of the right languages and, and, and catchphrases, keywords, but, uh, that my question becomes again, this, this seems like the right solution to address this failing healthcare system that we have. Um, and I guess my question to you is, is there hope <laughs> that, that, uh, this is going to evolve, but also in terms of functional medicine, seeing how that space is. Uh, not very well regulated, but also kind of emerging in its own ways, uh, finding some some good paths, bad paths. I think I've seen some bad stuff. Um, I'd love to hear just uh, finishing off on a message of maybe hope, hopefully hope um, or or complete doom and gloom. Let's let's see where this goes. Um, well, I think with anything, right, there is good and bad, right? You're going to have people who really take it seriously and really want to see people improve. I mean, my, I, I have a couple of programs that are programs that are kind of like they're, they're a framework, but I can make things about them customizable to each program and each person. Um, and my goal with those programs, like my main goal, number the big pro, giant program that I run that's year long is to help people realize that nutritious food can taste amazing. Um, and you don't need grains and you don't need um, packaged foods. Right. Um, so that's, and in that program, we also detox. And I think that's the part that people are, are missing is like, it doesn't matter how much support you give the mitochondria. If you're not detoxing, you're, you're throwing supplements at the same problem mm -hmm. that's not fixed at the root level. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think a lot of people try and make it, um, almost like a gimmick when they're first starting out because they don't really know where to go. Mm -hmm. And um, my first experience with functional medicine was for myself. It was to relieve some SI joint pain and some other things that were happening that I was not at all happy with. Um, and that I was told was just part of aging and being a new mm. mom. And I was just like, that's not the answer that I want. And I'm not going on your pain meds, muscle relaxers and antidepressants because that doesn't feel right to me. Um, and so I, I think, really teaching people the basics of health again. Like, yes, people know what they are, but even, I mean, there's so much misinformation out there. I had a guy even comment, um, just stop eating things that your body converts to sugar. <laughs> I was like, your, your body will convert protein to sugar. That's what gluconeogenesis does. People just don't know. Right. And so right. until there is the right people giving the right message and speaking louder, 
I think that you will always have those people in the space, regardless of whether that's functional medicine, chiropractic, physical therapy, um, internists, uh, family practice, lawyers, you're going to have the person who's out there spreading the wrong message about we can fix all your problems by just fixing X. But really, it's the whole picture, and it includes how your mindset is and how you're functioning on all areas of wellness. So, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, um, in your relationships, in your career, in your communication, in the way that you are able to take in and receive information. Um, when we start working on all of those components and we make it as simple as possible, because the goal also is not to keep someone on supplements for the rest of their life. That doesn't work. Then you're just replacing a medication with a supplement. Mm -hmm. So we want, we need to not only de-medicate, but de-supplement and get back to basics. So I'm hearing hope. There's some hope in there. There's some hope in that answer. Um, with that, uh, I got a crying baby I need to get to and a, and a dog that wants to play, but I appreciate your time. I know you got to get to your twins as well. Um, tell folks where they could find you, reach out to you, go take your, uh, I think I saw, I did see your two hour intake form. Anyone can just go do that. And, and, yeah. uh, if they take the time, that probably means they're, they're ready to go. <laughs> yep. Um, so best easiest way is drmarcycm.com. Nice. Um, so it's simple. pretty simple. Um, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. Cool. And I'll try to put that in the show notes, uh, wherever folks are watching, listening to this as well. Um, she's, she's big on TikTok. That's where we, we messaged as well and connected there. Um, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm going to, we're going to sign off here and I think we need to touch base more, uh, especially since we're so close to each other, uh, in person, we'll have to definitely, uh, touch base there. So hope folks got 1% better today. Enjoy your day. Thank you, Dr. Marcy. And we are